and welcome to another episode of My Liner Notes, a podcast where I tell my life story through the lens of music. If you listened to my last episode, you will know that I was raised on rock and roll. And even though my last episode did not have an exact time frame, let's assume that it covered the first, we'll say, eight years of my life. And the only reason that I bring that up is because I'm finding it interesting how the first eight years of my life can be covered in one podcast, yet this one pretty much only encompasses the next five years of my life. And I think that's because I started to remember more specific instances and moments of my life and my memory actually started to work by the time that I was about eight years old. And when I was eight years old, I was what you would consider an early bloomer. I first kissed a boy when I was approximately four years old, if memory serves. And I had my first crushes at about eight years old and had my first boyfriend by the time that I was 12. You might be asking yourself, how exactly does this relate to music? Well... Some of you are listening to this right now, and I can only imagine that you have your thumbs tucked into your belt loops and your legs going back and forth in a sort of scissor pattern. Uh, that's the best way I can think to describe the dance that is happening right now in the mind of, I would think at least most 30-year-old, 20-year-old girls and boys. Maybe. This is, in case you don't know, uh, this is uh, New Kids on the Block. This was my first musical crush. And unlike I assume, big assume here, most girls my age, I did not have a crush on all, most, or some of the members of the New Kids on the Block. I, specifically, solely, was interested in one, Joey McIntyre. Extremely interested in one, Joey McIntyre. But to bring everybody else up to speed, the members of New Kids on the Block were John and Jordan Knight. I believe most girls were interested in Jordan. I, for one, could not stand him. And I'm probably going to lose a few subscribers if I say that, but I just could not get beyond how much Jordan Knight loved Jordan Knight. And then there was Donnie Wahlberg, who... That name may sound familiar to you because his brother, Mark, is an actor. Um, Fun fact, Donnie was also an actor for a very small amount of his career. And also fun fact, Mark was originally a member of the New Kids on the Block until he got kicked out for 
basically being a bad boy. He started his own group, though. He doesn't like to remember it, but let's remember it for him. And lastly, there is Danny. I don't know what his last name is. I'm sorry to anybody out there who really loved Danny, but even my six-year-old daughter knows nobody cared about Danny. So, sorry, not really sorry, but all that I cared about was Joey. When the new kids first came out, I was a little bit too young to really know about them for their uh, inaugural album, which was self-titled. However, I was a very large fan of their album, Hanging Tough. Quite possibly one of my favorite songs from that album was... I will sing that song to my daughter as my mother sang that to me, which I will admit when I was eight years old was, oh, mom. But as I got older, I started to really like it. But New Kids on the Block was very interesting because it was the very first time in my life that music went beyond the music and was more about the artists and their life and their stories. When you are a kid in the 80s and there is no Wikipedia article, you have to go to the most what was considered reliable source for knowing about a teenage boy, which was, say it with me, Tiger Beat. Any young pre-adolescent girl or even teenage girl in the 1980s and 1990s, Red Tiger Beat. So, yes, most of my information and what I know about them came from that, came from the merchandise that I purchased, the, I had trading cards, I had pins, I had posters, I had a phone, I believe, and basically anything that you can print an image on, they had it. They also had a cartoon which was weird. But that was the other thing that was very interesting about New Kids on the Block. It was the very first experience for me of marketing along with the music. Because when I was a kid, it was completely pure and it was just about the music. And, and to be completely honest, I didn't even have to buy the tapes that I listened to because for the most part, they were tapes that my parents owned. So this was the first time in my life that I had to go out and buy my own tapes. And yes, kids, we listened to music on tapes back in my, my Stone Age days. I really did love all of their music. In fact, so much so that I wanted this song 
to be the march at the wedding that I would eventually have when I met the man that I would eventually marry, which, let's be honest, when I was eight years old, I wanted it to be Joey McIntyre. Spoiler alert, I did not marry Joey McIntyre, and that was not the song that was played at my wedding. But we'll save that story for another episode. I didn't initially hear their first album, but I did go back and listen to their self-titled album. And I mean, as much as I thought it was cute, there was really only one song I think that kind of stuck out for me personally, because I had a habit, because I was obsessed with Joey McIntyre. I would go back and learn all of his parts specifically. So there was one song that they had on their self-titled album that was sort of like a, we'll compare it to like a Tinder of today's standards. It was a, like a, a wanted ad. They were essentially selling themselves to date you, which now that I'm saying this is kind of a creepy thing to do, but when you're a kid, when you're a preteen, it's fantastic and it's magical and you think that they're talking to you and that they want to go out on a date with you you don't realize that they are singing that exact same song to millions and millions of other young girls. So, here was Joey's part, which still, I know, gives me chills to this day, even though he is 10 years, technically, my senior. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm young. I might be young, but I'm not too young to let you know how I feel. I'm Joey, and I'm Capricorn, and if you can relate to that, then check this out. One other thing that I really liked about New Kids on the Block was they had a Christmas album, as most artists, um, especially of, of my generation and older generations have done. Uh, but they had one song that was sort of like a weird uh, amalgam of like a Christmas song and a rap. And I have still no idea to this day what that song was. But I love it. I still love it. And uh, here again is uh, Joey McIntyre's part. He- he's a little bit older now, you'll notice. Um, but... It's good stuff. Oh, and he has a weird accent, so um, it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying, but imagine he's like a Boston British accent. Sneaking downstairs on Christmas Eve, I saw a sight that you just wouldn't believe. Say Nick, by the fireplace. Justin up his booty with a frown on his face. He said, hey, I said, what? He said, you, I said, what? He said, you left the fire burning and I burnt my box. So now I've learned, you've got to turn. The fireplace down so said I won't get A few years went by um, in between Hanging Tough and the release of their next album. And needless to say, I was very, very excited when they released their new album, Step by Step. Um, Joey was a a little bit older and a little bit wiser, and so was I. And uh, things were looking good for our future. And uh, I had really high hopes for where our relationship would go. 
say what you want about boy bands and the fact that, yes, they were produced. They were put together by a man called Maurice Starr. This beginning to this album, this first song, as you listen to it, pay attention to how the very beginning acapella grabs your attention. Step by step, ooh baby, gonna get to you girl. When the music slowly fades in, it's just pulling you closer. Step by step. You have to appreciate the fact that this is a fantastic way to start an album. I I was a very big fan of this album, and this was an incredibly significant part of not only the many Hollywood and uh, celebrity crushes that I would go on to have, but it was also a very significant album for me to focus on the people, the artists, And to look at it beyond the lens of just, hey, that's a good song, and I know nothing about the person singing it. It was also nice when they came out with Step by Step because they released their own happy birthday song that I promised myself when I was a young kid. I would play that for my children as my mother played the Beatles song for me. happy to know that I do. And in fact, I play my daughter and my son both songs on their birthday. That album was fantastic and I loved it. But by the time that they came out with their Face the Music album, I had moved on to other things. So it's not that I didn't love them. It's just I grew up. I was 12 now. I was becoming a woman. I mean, as all 12 year olds are. Even though I never got to go see New Kids in concert, I hold no grudges on that because I really feel that my younger self couldn't have handled a gaggle of screaming girls. In fact, my older self still kind of has a hard time with that. However, since I have moved on from New Kids on the Block to other groups, I was fortunate enough to have my very first concert be Boys to Men. Yo, fellas, y'all ready to do this? Yo, what's up, guys? Boys, I'm in effect, yeah. And it's about time. Yo, let's rip this up. Boys, the man. Boys, the man. Boys, the man.
Another fun fact, Motown Philly was the very first CD that I owned, which was a big ticket purchase for a 12-year-old me. They were also a boy band, but they had a different style. They had a, a, we'll call it a fresh style, a funky style, Um, and they didn't feel as heavily produced as New Kids on the Block felt. Maybe they were hiding it, or maybe it was the fact that they actually were a group that had essentially formed mostly on their own. But I also enjoyed listening to uh, their album. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever's gone away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I had my first boyfriend around this time, and uh, this was our song. I swear by the moon and the stars in the skies, and I swear like the shadow that's by your side. As was every couple's song in that day and age but uh yeah we actually dated for about seven months which i think when you're 12 almost counts as marriage if i'm not mistaken i don't know but we we definitely got divorced i can guarantee you that that relationship after that seven months was pretty much dead and buried after my little i guess fling with uh, boy bands and boyfriends. Uh, I spent a lot of time listening to top 40, uh, mostly. A significant part of my life was spent listening to Casey Kasem's top 40, or top 100, I think, was it? Top 100 um, songs and uh, that countdown. These songs um, were not terribly significant, but we're definitely some of my favorites. here though to say that uh in i believe it was 1994 um the divine miss m bet mittler came out with experience the divine and on that i believe that was a tape that i listened to miss otis regrets this song will underscore pun intended my love of musicals miss otis 
last regret she's unable to lunch today madam miss otis regrets she's unable to lunch today And she's sorry to be delayed But last evening down in Lover's Lane she strayed Madam The song is a storytelling song. Um, it does talk about uh, a lady who's obviously named Miss Otis and about her love. And uh, spoiler alert, she does end up killing her lover and also um, being hung. <laughs> so, happy story. It makes you... Well, at least it makes me wish that I knew big band dance. Um, what's the name for that? Swing? Yeah. I wish that I, I knew how to do swing dance when I listened to that song. And, of course, I listened to female artists such as salt and Peppa. Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Shoot. TLC. This one, yeah. This one's uh, one of those songs that the music video is so incredibly linked to my memory of it. I see it in my head when I listen to it, if that doesn't sound weird. Left this part in. I hope that I don't get pinged for it. One of my favorite parts of the song is Left Eyes Rap, so uh, sing along with me if you know the words. Yesterday, but too many stones have come and gone. Leaving a trace of not one God given praise. It because my life is ten shades of gray. I pray all ten fade away. Sell the praise for the seven days. And like his promise is true, only my faith can undo the many chances I blew to bring my life to a new clear blue and unconditional. Skies have dried the tears from my eyes. No one lonely cries. My only lead and hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an enduring pain that it keeps them in the boring rain. Who's to blame for two just a quick thing here um this was one that as i was doing my research for this particular podcast i hadn't thought of in ages so uh see if you can remember the name of this one In the House of Stone and Light. Yeah. Uh, haven't thought of that song in a really long time, but that was a good one too. I hate to bring the whole thing down for just a minute, but the same year that um, most of this music was happening, my grandmother passed away. Even though she has been gone for almost 25 years, there's really not a day that goes by that I don't miss her in my life. And for some reason, I had it in my head when I was a kid that you didn't cry at funerals. And I don't think that anybody tried to sell me that, and I don't think that anybody forced that belief on me. I think that was just a belief that I had created in my own head. The reason that I bring that up is because one of the significant ways that music played a role in my life 
was allowing me the freedom to cry pretty much right after we had come back from the funeral and I'd, you know, stiff up or lipped the entire time that I was there. REM's Everybody Hurts came on the radio in my room. After hearing this, just bawling my eyes out finally, and finally being able to, you know, have that cry and that emotional release, and and this is another way in which, for the first time, I think music had a significant effect on me emotionally. Just a moment here for my nanny, if you guys don't mind. I love you. And I miss you. Okay, so uh, moving along. uh, One of the last few things that I wanted to talk about was my um, strange and interesting love of rap music. This has been a thing I think that I've, I've always been really interested in. And I want to study it. And I want to go back and learn all of the words. And, of course, you know, when I was a kid, one of the most uh, famous rap groups was... And boy, did I like them. They were young boys, and they were a little bit more PG. So I was able to listen to them and kind of study rap a little bit more and start to learn about flow and about uh, lyrical synchronicity, which is, is the thing that I really am fascinated with. And of course... I also really liked this one. This one always sticks out for me as a fantastic memory. Because it's, it's what? And it's lovely. And of course, um... In the 90s, Coolio was gigantic, and so was Gangster's Paradise. But if there was one rap that stuck out for me and was about the lyrics and about the message, Mr. Wendell by Arrested Development. Be strong, serve God only. Know that if you do, beautiful heaven awaits. That's the poem I wrote for the first time. I saw a man with no clothes, no money, no plate. Mr. Wendell, that's his name. No 
It was an eye-opening thing for a little white girl to listen to a song like this who had never experienced a life outside of the suburbs. Um, but it was a very meaningful thing for me to be able to hear about this story. So around this time that um, all of this music was coming out, I also started watching My So-Called Life, which was my show. Uh, I was Angela, Angela was me, and I was dating Jordan Catalano in my own little private world. And one song that came out of that show that has basically become my mm, mantra, I want to say, my what I want my life to be is myself coming back to this song very often and generally of course bawling my eyes out as I listen to it. No, it's my jam. Um, there are a few moments in a person's life where they remember exactly where they were when a thing occurred. So one day I came home from school and into the living room and my mother was sitting there on the sofa and she turned on the TV, which was not a weird thing. As the TV flickered on, I looked over, and I see a TV on the TV, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's a really strange thing. And then I see that there's a woman's face on the TV, and she's singing, and I'm kind of confused as to why there is a woman on a TV singing on my TV. And as this moves forward, it pans away from the television, and I realize somewhere in the deep recesses of my brain, that what I am watching right now is music television, or what is otherwise known as MTV. And as I make this realization, I am aware of the fact that MTV only exists on cable. And so I proceed to freak the F out, because my mother finally got us cable. And uh, the very first song that, um, the very first video that I ever saw was Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham. If you remember this music video, this is a very weird video to have be your first music video because it does start out with a woman on a TV singing to her mother, which apparently was actually somewhat autobiographical, by the way, which was very interesting that she actually wrote that song to have her mother not be worried about her, but even though, like, everything in her life was wrong and haven't we all been there, I spent the next few, no, no, many years of my life watching MTV until MTV was no longer a thing that people cared about. But one other such moment that uh, after getting cable, one day I am watching music television as were most days spent. And I'm used to seeing lots of very beautiful faces, well choreographed dance routines, uh, blatant sexuality to the point that it was actually somewhat overwhelming, and lots of flashy lights and pretty colors. 
So, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the music television. This video comes on, and it's quiet at first. And then there's just a picture of a record player, and the record player starts moving. And then you hear these little tiny toy piano chimes pop in. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is not fast, this is not loud, this is not anything that I am used to. It pans out, and you see a man. And he's not an attractive man, by any stretch of any imagination. Very first line is, Life is hard. And so am I. You better give me something so I don't die. And I have never seen anything like this before. I have never seen anything like this man. This music video is in black and white, and it commanded my attention in such a way that nothing has ever commanded my attention before. You know that feeling when something happens to you and you kind of get all goosebumpy and pins and needles? Yeah, I had pretty much that exact feeling. From that moment on, I wanted to know everything about this group. I wanted to track down all of their music because pretty much... I was hooked. How hooked was I? Tune in next month when I pretty much talk solely about the eels and specifically about Mark Oliver Everett. This has been another episode of My Liner Notes. You can follow me on Twitter at MyLinerNotes a Z instead of an S, or you can email me at mylinernotes1 at gmail.com. And as always, all of the songs that you heard today will be listed in the description. And you can find this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll find out what happens next month.